The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, AWeber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, AWeber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. AWeber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by The Alternative Board. Since 1989, The Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to connect with our affiliate sponsor, GSM Growth Agency. They're boosting e-commerce businesses to six and seven figures in revenue and cover everything from ads and social media influencers to making your website better. GSM Growth Agency focuses on taking businesses from startup success to bigger success, going above and beyond to make sure growth sticks around. They're all about cool ideas, lasting partnerships, and making your mark in the e-commerce world. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. You can customize all of that. So you have full customizability with all of that. And when it comes to the SEO side, the keywords you use are going to be within, you know, your product titles, within the bullet points, the product description. Uh, There's a back end area where you can put more keywords uh, that customers don't see. Um, All of that. Okay. Just yeah, exactly. All of that is what help hap, uh, what helps with your SEO on the Amazon platform, and and is what ranks your listings uh, on the platform. Uh, you know, that's a very simplified explanation of the SEO aspect, but um, that's a lot of what yeah. you do, right? I mean, you're working with the company to help them get all the pieces, the right pieces, so they get yeah, exactly. Sales. And you know, it starts with having the right list of keywords for that are relevant for your product, putting them into the copy where they need to go creating images that look good, number one. Uh, so the photography is good, but then create, creating craft, graphic designed images that are calling out the main features of the product or the main solutions that the product solves for the end consumer or the main search terms, having them you know overlaid on text uh, of what the customer might be searching right. for. All of those are going to impact the, the click-through rates. They're going to impact the conversion rates and all that's going to help you, uh, you know, sell more of the product when people are actually coming to the page. Right. So Amazon is almost like its own web browser it's right it's ranking your products because i you know sometimes you search for i just had to search for a a, an igniter button for our grill i mean i got like 26 of them i I don't know which is better than i had to find one that was you know the right size i mean that was it so i i don't know so there's obviously an algorithm that makes one rank higher than exactly and uh the algorithm i mean it's a search engine it's like google uh google ranks for different reasons than amazon though so with Amazon, the two main ranking sure. factors are your conversion rate. So how frequently are people coming to your page and buying the product and the sales history? How long okay. have you been selling? And it's specific for each individual keyword. So if we're selling, uh, I don't know, a microphone, um, just because it's the first mm-hmm. thing I see in front of me. Um, if someone searches microphone and your product shows up, they click your product and they buy your product, that's sending a relevancy signal to Amazon. And that's saying, hey, this product should rank for this keyword. And if you're consistently doing that over time, your product's going to rank higher and higher for that keyword. So
Okay, okay, okay. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. We have, as always, another great guest. Uh, Mike is down in Guadalajara, uh, but he is an American with a company overseas and companies here and all kinds of stuff. We're going to be talking about not only his background, but we'll be talking also about selling on Amazon today and how to be an, an Amazon seller and all the ins and outs he consults on that and helps companies do it. So uh, if you are listening on your favorite podcast directory and you can leave us a review, leave us a five-star review, please. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure and subscribe and like us to help us to keep bringing the, uh, the good content that we have today. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. I'm Mike Bag, the CEO of AMZ Advisors and co-founder of GoAvance, and we take brands from $1 million to $10 million a year on Amazon. All right, Mike, can you I can, hear Mitch. Me? Thank you for having me here. Okay, cool. Hey, no, glad you... Glad you're gonna be here. So, it's like 10:30 here. Was it like 7:30? Uh, 8:30 right now, actually. 8:38. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, it's, it's it's late, right? You get started five, six o'clock in the morning. Of course, I'm already one uh, double espresso deep. So we'll see how this goes. <laughs> there you go. Nice, nice. All right. So, um, why don't we start with uh, you? You know, your background. We had talked about off the mic. You know how you got started in business, things like that. We'll work our way up to the second half when we will talk about all the Amazon stuff. Of course, yeah. So um, as you kind of mentioned in the intro, I'm originally from the U.S. I'm from Connecticut originally. Grew up there, spent most of my life there. Uh, Went to school in uh, two different schools, one in Long Island, one in Philadelphia. Uh, Played lacrosse pretty much my entire life. Um, Played lacrosse in college. That's why I went to these schools. And, uh, yeah, out of, out of college, uh, you know, I never grew up as an entrepreneur. I never grew up having like any jobs, anything like that. I always worked in right. Were you a business major in I school was, or? Yeah. So, uh, I was a business, I started at Stony Brook university, um, and I was studying a uh, business administration. Sure. That was my freshman year and that was 2008. So that was like the middle of the you know, financial crisis, which right. was an interesting time. Sure. Yeah. Relax. Cause a lot of the conversations that were happening around, you know, the business classes were all shifting or focusing onto this. And, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So, so it was, it was, right. it was a different time yeah. to be learning that type of stuff. Um, and then yeah. I, I realized that I wanted to learn more than just the administration piece. Uh, I ended up transferring after my freshman year to St. Joseph's university in Philadelphia uh, continue to play lacrosse there, but I double majored in uh, economics and international relations. Um, so it was a little bit of a different shift, but gave me a gave me more of a view of how things work, and that's something I, that I always find very important. Right. Okay. So you graduated, and what happened? 
I mean, you didn't take a job in Guadalajara, so you kind <laughs> no, of- it, it was. Uh, <laughs> it's been quite a journey to get here. So you know, I graduated two thousand twelve. Uh, the job market still wasn't great, so it took me a little while to to find a job. Uh, I'm just gonna unplug my uh, charger for a second. I'm lagging a little bit. Um, yeah, the computer will fix oh, that. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, I, I graduated, had a little bit of a hard time finding a job. I took a job at a law firm to start. Um, worked there as a law clerk for a while. That was you know an experience. I didn't really enjoy it. Uh, from there, I ended up going right. into Deloitte uh, Consulting and uh, worked okay, in Deloitte. Um, really didn't like consulting either, so I wanted to find something different. What, what kind of like companies did you work with? It was uh, mainly retail consulting, uh, which was kind of you know where I had some experience or where I started getting into where I am now is like, that was the, the root of it. Um, and right. I really, you know, I, I, the projects were cool. I just did not like working for Deloitte. I did not like the stress of it. I didn't like, you know, traveling and dealing with angry clients. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't fun. Uh, you don't really have right. much control of your life in that. Right. In that. And uh, was any of e-commerce in those days? I mean, that's that was in 2012. No, it was so. still too early. I mean, it was there, it was existing, but like most people weren't yeah. focused on it. They yeah. were focused on, you know, their own websites yeah, or, or whatever, instead of like the platform aspect, which is obviously the most important thing right now. Right. eBay. Exactly. Stuff. Yeah. So, uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of how it started. Uh, once I realized I hated it, I uh, started taking classes at NYU in real estate uh, ended up switching over to mm-hmm. Sears, uh, which was another interesting experience. And during my time in Sears, I was working. They even around anymore? They're so gone now. Gone, yeah. right? um, but yeah. we were, this was 2014 when I made the switch and things were still running, but like we were in trouble and we were trying to solve some of the problems. So the team I actually. Right. So NYU. Oh, you went to the graduate school. You went to the Stern School. No, I went to the there? the professional school. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but uh, yeah, I don't remember the name. Actually, it's weird. But no, it wasn't the, the school where you go get because you don't want to get your You were already business administration. You were like, I don't. Yeah, want exactly. Like I could have gone and got a real estate yeah. master's, or I could have just gotten the real estate certificate, which is where I started. And I was like, well, let me see how this goes, and then I'll go from there. Um, you know, I've always got it done well in school, and always like have thought about more education, whether it be law school, MBA, whatever. Um, fortunately, I haven't had to do that because of some of the entrepreneurial success, but and we'll get to that in a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. So, so where are we now? So you were, you were like, you went to start, I mean, you went to NYU, you're getting some classes. You're like, I don't, I don't yeah. want this corporate thing. You're at Sears, you leave them. Yeah. When do you, when do you like say, you know what, I'm going to start my own business or join up? So it all started at that. Sears actually. Um, at the time, so I was working in the, the real estate group. We were doing real estate development projects and, uh, you know, disposing of assets, selling stuff off. Uh, I was managing some projects in New Jersey, actually, uh, now that you remind me. But yeah, so because Sears owned their own properties, right? Their locations, yeah, they a did. lot of them. Um, most, uh, so Sears, yeah. well, most people don't realize is that Sears and Kmart were the same company. Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, exactly. Okay. And oh, well. yeah, they both didn't do it. <laughs> And Sears uh, owned all the almost all the real estate. They didn't own everything, but Kmart leased everything. So you had a bunch of underperforming Kmart stores that were all leased that you had to right. you know pay off pretty much to get out of them, or you had the assets that right. we could actually redevelop, which was Sears. 
right Kmart was getting crushed by like target exactly. and walmart basically and that's exactly what happened yeah right? okay. so uh anyway one of the deals i saw that came across my plate was uh we got an offer at a mall that was closed the mall was we still had a piece of land there and the offer was from amazon and i was like why is amazon buying a retail box right. store at yeah. a closed mall and this, this is was what 2000 this was late 2014 i think uh okay so this is very early like amazon didn't have any kind of footprint on the no ground. they didn't have any physical like stores i mean they had warehouses but they didn't have any physical right. stores um and yeah. anyway so yeah i saw amazon making this deal and then i you know kept digging into it what do you want to do here and i found out they were turning it into right. a fulfillment center they were turning it into a warehouse uh to send out orders Right, okay. and that's where I started paying more attention yeah. to Amazon and figuring out you know, e-commerce and and trying to consume. What yeah. You? yeah, right, got it. So, but you were you you kind of learned this on your own, right? I mean, you figured it out and said, okay, what the hell is? And that was the early days. Now they have all kinds of tools, and we'll talk about those later. But this was like, could you even set up your own? Like yeah. Amazon store or they were just selling their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when we, when I started selling products uh, and I had two partners or I had three partners, actually, uh, we all started the same thing because we didn't know what we were doing. Um, we originally just started going to, it's called retail arbitrage, but just going to like Walmart target, buying products and then selling them on Amazon, buying products that were on clearance uh, and then reselling them on Amazon. Got it. Yeah. Because that doesn't work if you pay retail yeah. for the products and you can't sell exactly. them. You got to get them money. on clearance. That works. Um, Right. And yeah, so that's how I started uh, selling products. And then from there, we we wanted to take a step further. We started making our own brand and started importing products from China. Um, Starts. Uh huh. What kind of things are you making? You're basically a retail flipper now because you're buying things low and you're flipping them before you were making your own stuff. So, what kind of things were you selling? Like, it was. You didn't care? I mean, it's whatever we found that we thought was going to be good. Um, we started with the first product we ever sold on Amazon was uh, a wireless router that we got on discount for like, we got it for like 20 bucks and sold it for like 80 bucks on Amazon. So that was, that was a solid one. Right. And then a lot of stuff was electronics, video games, um, kids toys was another common one that we got, um, right. some home good stuff. But they're one-off items, right? I mean, you're not selling. You didn't have 300 routers, and you could sell. No, you buy whatever they have in the store, and like, there's people that make full-time living doing that. But for me, it's not enjoyable because at the end of the day, you're you're spending a a ton of of time. You're always shopping, going to every store. It's it's brutal. Yeah, and uh, the the next step of that is like building your own brand or your own products, and that's where we figured out how to. Uh, work with Alibaba, find manufacturers in China, figure out what types of products you want, get samples, and then start production, and then start selling those. And that's uh, is Alibaba like the international version of Amazon, basically, or is it a different? So kind there's of a uh, they have two different platforms. They have Alibaba and AliExpress. AliExpress would be like the Amazon equivalent. Uh, it would be like an international uh, you know platform where you go to buy like one item. Alibaba is like the manufacturer. It. It's like a manufacturer directory. Um, so you're going there to buy. Right. Well, you got to buy like 10 Exactly. You're going there to buy in bulk. Um, and that's kind of what the difference is. Okay. Um, got it. That's how it, all st- that's how it all started. We started with art supplies, started selling those. Uh, we had some. No, I we just saw an opportunity there. We saw some products that we thought looked good. There's a lot of uh, 
yeah, third-party research tools that you can use to see what markets are selling well and what what aren't. We just happened to find one that looked really good. Right. It was selling, you know, it, there was yeah. like a, over $200,000, $300,000 a month in sales in the category, and there was no one really dominating it. And we were like, okay, let's try this. And that's kind of how we got started. So you mean you could see what was selling like on Amazon, but they were just all a lot of small sellers. So there was, and then you said, well, you let's start with that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, in this specific category within art supplies, uh, there were, there was no big brands like Crayola is obviously the, the elephant when it comes to uh, the elephant in the room, when it comes to art supplies and they were not selling yeah. these products. So we saw who was selling the products and we were like, we can do a better job than them. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's really where the idea started and came from. Uh, okay. So what was the name of the crown art the was the name of the company. Okay. And, and I guess the brand didn't matter. I mean, you could build, you were building it from scratch. Exactly. Out, right? Yeah. Like we, uh, I mean, the brand has some importance in a way, uh, just with certain features of Amazon, but we just came up with the design, came up with a logo that we put on the packaging, our name, our branding and everything. You want to be different than a lot of the products that are on the marketplace or have some differentiation. Otherwise, if it's just a generic product, anyone can sell it. So um, that's kind of the way to to build a little, it's not much, but build like a little moat there to protect your products on Amazon. Right, right, right. No, it's good advice. So, so the uh, this is all drop shipped. Like you didn't have to warehouse. Did you have to take possession? Yeah, we, of uh, yeah, we bought. Oh, you did. Oh, well. First order was like two hundred fifty units. Then after that, we ordered like another thousand, uh, and we made a couple more placement orders from there. Uh, eventually, we ran into some problems with uh, our manufacturer where they started essentially knocking off our product and selling it for cheaper. Yeah. Yeah, I have those conversations with people all the time. If you're going to be making it, let's say, in China, for example, you can have all the contracts you want. But if it's going to go out the back door of the of the factory and somebody else is going to knock it off, exactly. what are you going to do? You're a little company. Exactly. So that was kind of the yeah. end of Crown Art. It was like, well, this is a Chinese manufacturer. They can make whatever they want. We can't enforce anything. We don't have the money to enforce anything. So we kind of right. had to that, – that brand kind of just died out on its own, unfortunately. Just yeah, because just because of the manufacturing problems. Um, okay. Dealing, okay. I, I mean, you you have an understanding of it, but manufacturing in China is really a nightmare. Um, and there's always better options that I, that I recommend more than, than focusing on China. Right, well, people think it's inexpensive, whatever, but there's all kinds of logistics of dealing with them and knocking things off, and you don't really yeah, know what's exactly. going on. Um, Unless you're Chinese, I guess, and you go over there and you see what's going on. Okay. But, you know. It's true. So, so where'd you go from there? You, you made a little bit of money though, right? On your first endeavor. And then do you lick your wounds and say, okay, well, let's find another product to sell or like, what was the next one of the, so one of the learning lessons we took out of this was that when it came to selling products online, we were really good at the actual sales and marketing aspects, but where we really weren't good was the inventory management and the manufacturing and the supply chain stuff. So understanding what our strengths were, we started looking at how can we take advantage of this. And the prime example that I've kind of already mentioned was uh, we were in a category that is historically dominated by Crayola. And Crayola Mm -hmm. wasn't able to to show up for these these keywords and for this, this, uh, the search terms that we were ranking for. So we realized that a lot of big companies don't know what they're doing when it comes to Amazon. And that's where we started transitioning to AMZ Advisors, uh, where we are today, uh, as an agency helping a lot of these big brands uh, maximize their efforts on the Amazon platform. So 
we help them implement all the, the best practices, make sure everything's running smoothly, help them grow their sales, uh, manage their advertising for them. And we've had the opportunity to work with a lot of big brands over time. Yeah, got it. So, so you knew that if you had the inventory, if, if that was being taken care of, you could sell the crap out of this stuff. You knew how to market it and find the buyer. Exactly. And that's what we did. Uh, we started with um, a pretty well-known brand um, called uh, Plackers and Rembrandt Whitening. Um, in the dental okay. supply category, we grew their sales from doing about like a hundred thousand to doing like $500,000 a month. Um, we worked with some other brands like Burt's Bees, um, Neff Headwear, yeah, sure. and we were just, yeah, we were successful in growing all these accounts. So like we, we kind of were, we're building that body of evidence where we like, we know what we're doing and we know that this can work. Got it. All right. So, um, I'm curious because a lot of people listening, first of all, I think with Amazon, you know, you see all these videos, you get things from people and they're like, you can be an Amazon seller and you find uh, a nail clipper and you, you, you can just drop ship them and promote them and you make all kinds of money. And it's, I'm sure it's not that easy, but, but when you got started, when you realized what your expertise was and you said, listen, we're not going to do it for ourselves because then we got to solve the other problem back in the products. We're going to help other people sell their products. How did you start? developing your own business like how did you get the first customer you mentioned um the uh, so the we were we were pretty fortunate at the time we started there really weren't many companies out there um that were doing this there was only there's one company called orca pacific which was probably one of the older ones that was on amazon and helping people there were a couple other mm-hmm. smaller ones but uh it was not easy for people to find these companies so we actually caught our first client through upwork through the the freelance platform they were going to Upwork oh. looking for people that knew what they did. And uh, it was a cons- it was actually a consultant working with them that found us uh, and hired us. And that's how we started there with our first client. Uh, the consultant actually had a couple other clients that we ended up working with as well. And that's really where like we got off the ground and running. I mean, we got to the point where our sales commissions and, and you know, our service offering, we were making... I think at the at one point our biggest invoice was like twenty five thousand dollars a month from them, and that was really what gave us like the runway to get the business going. Because uh, then we had the cash to start investing in you know hiring and uh, you know building our processes, making ourselves look lo- more legitimate than just you know a couple guys on Upwork, and that was really the the impetus that got us going. And you know we're talking about ac- you know being an accidental entrepreneur. That was one instance of right. just pure luck of us getting in touch with the right guy on Upwork and then working with the right client and getting the success from what we knew how to do. So um, it would have right. we like three guys coming out of nowhere working with a massive corporate company like Plackers. I mean, they're a multi-billion-dollar enterprise. There's no way we would have gotten right. in front of them if we tried, you know, knocking on their door or giving them a call or anything. So of course, right? You can't just cold call them. Hey, we're three guys on uh, a Davenport yeah. basement. You know exactly. Yeah. So um, I'm curious because, you know, I talk a lot on this show about, you know, strategic planning, business planning and figure things out. It sounds to me like you kind of figured it out as you went. I mean, you did have a uh, an undergraduate degree in administration. So did you guys do any or do you do, you know, business planning on a regular basis to kind of like figure out, OK, where do we go next and what strategically we're doing there? It's something that we've implemented more over the past few years. Uh, we've always kind of had like a, a stated direction that we wanted to go in. But the the tactical right. steps that we needed to take to get there were not always clear. 
Um, now we're much more clear right. when it comes from a planning, uh, planning perspective, not only just between us as the founders, right, yeah, but between right. the employees yeah. as well. Because when the employees have an idea of the direction that you're trying to go, it makes it a lot easier to get everyone moving in the right direction. Uh, yeah. Time. Yeah. Yeah. You want them to be on your team, buy into your vision. I think, I think that's one of the reasons why people don't really do the kind of planning, like they don't know what to put down. They, you know, they're still trying to figure it out. They're still feeling their way. Unfortunately, in some cases, it might lead to failure because you don't see what's around the corner. You guys, you know, it yeah. didn't happen. Um, but yeah, there's somebody yeah. in the background that walked by. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I'm, I'm just always curious as to how you know that kind of that kind of comes together. So then. How did you end up in Guadalajara? Did you just pick up clients that were outside of the United States? So or? when we were first starting the company, um, we wanted to give, uh, I mean, I said we had some clients we were making money from, but we wanted to give the company the yeah. longest uh, runway to take off to make sure it was going to be successful. So we decided, you know, why don't, and being from you know the Northeast, I think you can understand this. We hated the winter. The winters are miserably cold in Connecticut. I, we, we ski, but like we, yeah. there's no mountains in Connecticut. So like, if I'm not skiing, I'm miserable right. in the winter. Gotta go. Um, yeah. So we were like, let's move somewhere warm. Let's just get out of here. Uh, we ended up moving to Playa del Carmen uh, near Cancun. And uh, okay. three of us, the yeah. Three of uh, we ended up renting like a, a nice, okay. like, I won't say a, a penthouse, but it was like a very nice apartment uh, that we were living in. Um, after a few months of that, we were making more and more progress. And the company was like, you know, uh, I won't say successful, but like stable enough for us to kind of do our own things. Um, and I wanted to go travel. I wanted to see more right. of Mexico. Uh, I ended up coming to Guadalajara. Do you yeah. speak Spanish? Do you speak? I didn't speak Spanish when I first arrived. Uh, I mean, I understood it. My family is, uh, my mom's family is Portuguese. So I always grew up with like hearing, not Spanish, but hearing a similar language. So I understood Spanish really well. Um, I didn't speak any or, or spoke very little of it. So finally, once I was here, I was able to actually practice, you know, listening and speaking. And, like, you know, at this point, yeah. I've been here for six years and, you know, I'm fully fluent. So. Right. But you didn't go there because of the business opportunities. Like, oh, there's all these companies we can work with. You work yeah. with companies all over. You do it remotely, right? You have a Zoom call or whatever you put. You don't exactly. Like, it, was just, it's, it was more yeah. of like a lifestyle thing. We were like, where can we get somewhere where we don't have to be in the cold? Uh, where we can be near the water. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm not near the water now, unfortunately, but, um, like <laughs> to the man. but yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how it started. So, um, it wasn't, it wasn't like strategic. We're going to go down here and like find companies. It was more like, let's just be somewhere where we enjoy being and we can take all of our client calls. Right. Online. Got it. Yeah, because you, you're probably doing your prospecting the same way in Connecticut as you were in Guadalajara. Like, exactly, what's the and right? nothing really changed. And that, that was the yeah. important thing is that we could keep everything running the same no matter where we were. And then besides Mexico, I've traveled in Europe. My other partners have traveled in Europe and South America and other places. So um, it, you can still just plug right exactly. in, right? I mean, guys can jump on a call. The only thing that changes stuff. is the time zones. <laughs> That's about it. Right, and you gotta right, you got to deal with those. But, you know, I think, Mike, and I think maybe this is the theme of this show, right, uh, today, is that you can, if you want to, build your business and build your lifestyle pretty much any way you want. I mean, if you're, especially if you're an online seller, 
in your case, you're not even an online seller. You're a consultant. So you're not even dealing with products and things like that. But even the people that are, they can live wherever they want. They don't have to, it doesn't have to be outside the United States, but they certainly could be in, you know, in Texas or in Nashville or Atlanta or whatever. It doesn't have to be in Maine. All the people may like me, you know, and you could, you could live in Maine and work and run your business and, and so forth. So why, why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break uh, for commercials, a couple of minutes, and then we'll come back and we can start talking about like, you know, what the Amazon platform is, what it does for businesses, the kind of advice you give, you know, I've given away the store, but it's advice for small business owners as to how they get started. Cause I think a lot of them, even if they are brick and mortar, they, they either not doing Amazon at all, or they're doing it wrong and they don't even understand it and they just struggle with e-commerce because I think it really can help everybody. Does yeah, that make, that sounds make good sense? Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Are you struggling with managing advertising due to a lack of time or expertise? Perhaps you're facing challenges in scaling ads for your store. Are you feeling lost when strategies have no success? GSM Growth Agency is your reliable partner in overcoming these business challenges. Feel the impact of collaborating with a team dedicated not only to short-term goals, but also to building long-term partnerships and achieving sustained success. Embark on an exciting journey to redefine the possibilities of e-commerce and create a legacy of unparalleled excellence. Take decisive action now. Follow their link in the show notes to receive a complimentary audit of your Shopify store conducted by a GSM expert. Propel your e-commerce game to new heights with GSM Growth Agency. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. Okay, Mike. So um, I think that we can talk about the kind of advice you give, how you help people. And maybe, you know, we can keep it on the, not the large corporate side, but on the small business owner side, like what kind of things people can start, where they can start learning about it and figuring out what they're doing wrong and and how, how would you even, if you wanted to start a business and you didn't have brick and mortar, how could you just get started on Amazon? Is that a, like a loaded question? No, no. I mean, the, the interesting thing I would say is that you're saying, you know, you asked uh, not the corporate advice, but like small, smaller business. It's the same advice. It's essentially the yeah. same. Like at the beginning okay, of the day, if you're not doing the fundamentals on the platform, you're not going to have success. So um, someone that okay. wants to get on Amazon, I mean, the first thing you obviously need to do is get an account. It's not that difficult. Uh, you just need a business. You need to go through a verification right. process. You can get an account in 24 hours as long as you have not opened an account before with Amazon, a seller account, I should say. That's a different account than like my account where I have Prime and I buy stuff, you can, right? It's a 
business account. Yeah, you could use the same email technically if you wanted to. Um, I always recommend using different ones, one for the business, um, because that will, you know, if you ever sell the business in the future, for example, or sell the account in the future, and it's tied to your personal email, well, there goes your personal email as well. So anyway, uh, um, exactly. From that as a yeah, from that as a starting point, um, it's pretty simple. Uh, A lot of the challenges that smaller businesses run into is that or, or brick and mortar businesses that are not selling on Amazon or not selling uh, in retail or, you know, in, in big retail stores right. is that they don't have uh, UPC barcodes uh, for their products. Uh, if you don't right. have a GS1 uh, UPC barcode for your product, you won't be able to list the product on Amazon. Um, now there's a caveat there. There's a way around it. Uh, if you have your trademarks and have a lot of IP, um, but as a starting point, it's always a good idea to make sure that you have the UPC barcodes that no it's pretty straightforward you have to register your business with uh gs1 uh and then from there you you buy the number of barcodes you you want like for example i have some products that i do sell um i think i i think the gs1 registration this was like two years ago was like 299 dollars, and then the renewal every year is like Mm -hmm. 50 bucks so uh it's not that big of an expense but it's something you're going to need for your products to be able to list them on the amazon platform um Okay. From there, I mean, the creation, uh, we can, and there's all different details we can go into here, but um, sure. you just have to create your listings. You want to create the SEO content. You want to create the images for your product, uh, make it look good on the Amazon platform, because I'm sure many of you have gone to Amazon and seen products that don't look good, uh, or the keywords aren't good, or the, the copy doesn't make sense, or, you know, the images are shot in someone's right. basement um, without, like, professional lighting. It just doesn't look good. And if you want to sell your product on Amazon, your product needs to look good. That's probably one of the most important aspects. Um, Right. But how much control do you have over your listing page or your store or whatever? So when consider as, yeah, so uh, it's not, it's obviously not fully customizable. Like you could with your own Shopify store or whatever other platform. But uh, when you look at it as a consumer from the front end of Amazon, you see the titles, you see the bullet points, the the product images, uh, you might see it's called A plus content, the images down below the listing, or I should say down below the fold. Um, You can customize all of that. So you have full customizability with all of that. And when it comes to the SEO side, the keywords you use are going to be within, you know, your product titles, within the bullet points, the product description. Uh, there's a back end area where you can put more keywords uh, that customers don't see. Um, all of that, okay. yeah, exactly. All of that is what help hap, uh, what helps with your SEO on the Amazon platform, and, and is what ranks your listings uh, on the platform. Uh, you know, that's a very simplified explanation of the SEO aspect, but um, that's a lot of what yeah. you do. Right? I mean, you're working with the company to help them get all the pieces, the right pieces, so they get yeah, exactly. Sales. And you know, it starts with having the right list of keywords for that are relevant for your product, putting them into the copy where they need to go, creating images that look good. Number one, uh, so the photography is good, but then create creating graphic graphic designed images that are calling out the main features of the product or the main solutions that the product solves for the end consumer or the main search terms, having them you know overlaid on text. Uh, of what the customer might be searching right. for. All of those are going to impact the, the click-through rates. They're going to impact the conversion rates and all that's going to help you, uh, you know, sell more of the product when people are actually coming to the page. Right. So Amazon is almost like its own web browser, it's, right? It's ranking yeah. your products. Because, you know, sometimes you search for 
I just had to search for a, a, an igniter button for our grill. I mean, I got like 26 of them. I, I don't know which is better than I had to find one that was, you know, the right size. I mean, yeah. that was it. So I, I don't know. So there's obviously an algorithm that makes one rank higher yep, than exactly. The other. And uh, the algorithm, I mean, it's a search engine. It's like Google. Uh, Google ranks for different yeah. reasons than Amazon, though. So with Amazon, the two main ranking Correct. factors are your conversion rate. So how frequently are people coming to your page and buying the product and the sales history? How long okay. have you been selling? And it's specific for each individual keyword. So if we're selling, uh, I don't know, a microphone, um, just because it's the first mm-hmm. thing I see in front of me. Um, right. If someone searches microphone and your product shows up, they click your product and they buy your product, that's sending a relevancy signal to Amazon. And that's saying, hey, this product should right. rank for this keyword. And if you're consistently doing that over time, your product's going to rank higher and higher for that keyword. So that's really where like a simplified explanation of the SEO comes in. It's convert more for what the customer is yeah. searching for. Uh, you do that by creating content that's focused on the most relevant keywords for your product and then do it over time. And that's how mm-hmm. you're going to grow on the platform. Got it. Yeah, microphone's a good example. I mean, I've searched for podcast equipment before and you get tons yeah. of stuff combinations of things in this company that I never heard of these companies. Now, if it's like a snowball or a Yeti, Yeti, a blue Yeti, then you know it. But even those are sold by different companies, you know, you know, not manufacturer, but the the retailer base. Exactly. And you can have multiple sellers of the same product. I mean, I'm using a a blue Yeti right here. uh, And I don't know exactly who I bought it from, but I bought the brand. So for example, as a seller, and this is if you don't want to have your own products or uh, create your own brands. Right, you could you be a reseller, reseller. Yeah. You could sell brands yeah. like this. Yeah. So then you, okay. So I guess you got to source the product. You got to find them and, and sell them and so forth. So do you, do you find that some, I wouldn't say retail, mm-hmm. some products are, are more amenable to the platform or is it really just figuring out the, you know, the SEO and the rankings and stuff like that? Or are there some things that really aren't meant for, Online. There's definitely some things that aren't, I wouldn't say aren't meant, but the discoverability is going to be significantly lower. Um, a good example of this is like a client we worked with recently. They sell uh, like scientific equipment, like, um, or I don't, I don't even, beakers. Like yeah. Beaker. Like that's the only, that's the only yeah. scientific equipment word I remember anymore. <laughs> but uh, that. And the button. Remember that you put it above below exactly. the beaker and you heat up the stuff, right? You and I aren't scientists, but how many scientists could be going to Amazon and exactly. looking at that and stuff? They, they probably, I mean, it's an option, but you're competing against everyone else. I mean, these scientists, you know, or these people looking for right. these products probably have a local store as well that they might be getting it from. So, you're a supplier to the university or the, the, the company. Yeah, whatever, it's different right? than something like a supplement where everyone might be buying a supplement or, you know, a cosmetic product or whatever. Um, so there's different right. levels of competition, different demand for products in general, like uh, CPG goods or consumer uh, packaged goods are uh, sell really well on the platform. Um, there are all types of niches that you would be surprised how well they sell. Like, for example, uh, I have a food product brand. I sell biscotti and biscotti is okay. a great category. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. And the, the yeah. funny, the they're funny thing is that. Uh, being from the Northeast, I thought everyone knew biscotti, but apparently no one outside the Northeast knows biscotti. But... No, or it, right? Do they know it in uh, Italy? They sell yeah, I mean, they, they have a different name in Italy. They're called Cantucci. Yeah. Um, right. yeah. 
Oh, well, there you uh, go. which is actually the, the name of the brand, that's, but that's a Northeast Italian yeah, cookie base. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Anyway, that uh, there's all these little categories that you can find and using these third party tools, you can f- see what the sales look like, see how competitive it is, see whether it's worth your time to, you know, try to build a brand around it. And that's really how you kind of, you can decide what works. I mean, coming in as a first time seller or first time entrepreneur and trying to sell protein powder on Amazon, you're going to fail. Number one, there's a ton of yeah. competition. Number two, it takes a ton of money yeah. to get on yeah. there. So um, I always recommend. Yeah. And most of them, you know, you get such a brand. Exactly. Usually. Like, I don't, I don't want to buy like some protein powder because it's cheap. I'm going to buy the one that I'm used of and I like the flavor of and I stay. Exactly. Stick with it. That's exactly what you it know. is. And that's how most consumers yeah. shop. So if you're going to go into a category like that, you need a ton of money. And it's better to start as a seller in some of the not other categories that are not as competitive. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how I start with uh, some of these tools that'll tell me, like, what does it tell you? Like sales volume in, in those? It'll tell categories? you sales volume. Uh, it'll tell you, um, I mean, yeah, sales volume is mainly the value that it's like extrapolating for you. Uh, but it, you can get everything in one spot. So you, you search microphone, you'll see all the microphones that come up. You'll see which microphone is selling the most. You'll see, you know, how many reviews they have, uh, whether Amazon's selling it because yeah. Amazon can still sell a product or whether it's a third party selling it. Um, all of this stuff is kind of, kind of dictate which way, uh, whether a product category makes sense or not for you to be in. Got it. So, so there is Amazon, which is their company selling their products, whether it's their branded products or products yeah. they buy and resell. And then there's the marketplace, which is like this, this, uh, you know, a virtual mall of smaller retailers that are bringing products to the platform and then reselling them and maybe competing. Exactly. With them, and right? it's, it's tough to compete with Amazon. Um, you know, if Am- Amazon knows that. Amazon <laughs> yeah, if there are certain categories, yeah. and this is just like, you know, a small tip is like, if you're doing the research and you see certain categories where Amazon is selling all the products, it's probably not a category you want to be in. Don't do it. Uh, because there's no right. way you're going to be able to, to compete or break into the category. Um, you know, uh, well, unless you have like some crazy offline presence off of Amazon, but still, it's not going to be easy. You're better off competing against other third-party sellers in categories like that. Um, I I can't think of a a non-competitive category off the top of my head, but when you do the research, you'll see whether someone (laughs) is selling, uh, whether it's Amazon or whether it's someone else, and then focus on the categories where the majority of the sellers are someone else. Right. Well, so so if I'm a small business owner or I'm looking to get started in business and I'm interested in something, how do I get started? I mean, I don't have a lot of capital, right? So I can't necessarily hire you. You work with large companies, probably expensive. Um, how do, how do I get started? There are a lot of great free resources out there. And honestly, at this point, there's way more free resources than uh, when we started. Um, the challenge is figuring out which ones are good and which ones are, are just garbage. Um, there's right. a couple people online, uh, on YouTube, uh, on other uh, platforms like Facebook. There's Facebook groups where you can get advice. Um but there's also different levels of advice you can get. So there's the very beginner groups on Facebook. That's always a good place to start where you can like, yeah, Amazon seller groups, uh, the amazing seller group, the amazing seller. No, I can't remember the name. It's some, some company out in New York. Um, I think it's the amazing seller. Um, Right. But if they can search on Amazon, I mean, on they'll find the groups. Yeah. Where they can ask the advice. Uh, There's plenty of courses out there. We have our own course. Um, but there's all types of free free okay. Uh, okay. resources yeah. out there for people to learn from. 
Right. And then they start building it from there. But a lot of it's trial and error too, right? You think you made a good decision to the and analysis, then you get out yep. of it. And I mean, and that and happens more frequently than you would, you would uh, think, but there are plenty of even clients our size where that are clients that come work with us that are a good size. They're doing maybe $100,000 or more a month in Amazon sales. And they really struggle getting to that next level because it is super competitive. It takes a lot of strategy, a lot of tactics to really break through. And like, that's where we can really provide the yeah. value is when companies are already doing like a million dollars a year on Amazon. And they just need to figure out how do I get to 10 million or how do I get to 20 million or whatever it may be. And right. then that's where we can step in and be like, this is what's working. This is what what's not working. Let's focus more on what's working and keep scaling from here. Right. Right. Got it. Got it. Well, a lot of the companies you're dealing with, it's their own product, right? I mean, it's not, they're not buying and reselling. So, so if I'm, if I'm looking to get started to be an Amazon uh, seller, right? Can I do it without purchasing inventory? Like, can I, can I do it where it's purchased by the customer and then yeah. drop shipped and I can limit my expense except setting up the There are people that do that. Um, so you could drop ship product technically. Um, you could, uh, there's another model which is essentially becoming a wholesaler or you know buying the product at wholesale and then reselling it. Uh, that's another right. option. It's still capital right. intensive. Um, but you're buying. Yeah, of course. And you got to take possession of the product, right? And you got to ship it. Well, you can you can use Amazon's fulfillment network. So uh, the Amazon, okay. uh, it's called fulfillment by Amazon uh, FBA, and FBA uh, mm-hmm. can house all your inventory for you. You can send all the inventory there, and it'll just send out the inventory as you get orders. Obviously, Amazon is taking a fee for that, uh, and the fee can get expensive, right? Of course, but then it yeah it saves you right. all the time. No, but if you're if you're where you got a fulfillment center, you might have to pay warehousing costs anyway. Exactly. Right? Have people fill it and send you're going to need easy. some type of warehouse no matter what if you're going to be buying inventory in bulk whether it's your own product or whether you're buying from a wholesaler or a distributor um right and, and it's a difference of whether you're going to house it in your own warehouse in your garage or at amazon now are there products maybe not a lot of them that you could literally post on your store not take possession of them they purchase them and then you just have the manufacturer ship them out for you. It is client. possible, but it, it's very hard to find those agreements. Um, I mean, most people have that. That's like the most common idea that people think is like, ah, oh, like how can I do this without right. putting money That'll in? Be, yeah. And that's yeah. those opportunities have more or less gone away um, as more brands get you know, more aware of what's possible as well. So when people start drop shipping a ton, ton of their orders, it becomes, well, why don't I cut out the middleman now and just take, a higher margin. Right. So it's very difficult to find that right. type of opportunity. Uh, the wholesale distributors side, buying directly from a distributor, there's more opportunity to do that. You still need to put the cash up or you might be able to get some terms on it. So right. you might be able to get net 30, net 60, depending on you know, how well you negotiate with them uh, and how right experienced you are in doing that. Um, Net sixty meaning they ship you the product at sixty days to pay for it, so you can put put it up, put it up, get orders, get it out. You might even post it before you get the product, right? You know exactly. it's on its way, yeah. And then you get out and you know, yeah, yeah. And that's that's essentially what you know the wholesale distribution model plays on is trying to time the cash flow. Amazon does the right. same thing with people that are selling one P to them. Uh, they're selling directly to, to Amazon, and Amazon's reselling the product. Amazon hat. It's a different right. story because Amazon dictates the terms, but. They dictate net 60 and they're like, all right, we'll pay you 60 days later from, from whatever you sell us now. So, um, 
do they pay on time? Because I know like companies like Walmart and things like that are notorious for saying we'll pay in sixty days, then I'll pay for one hundred twenty days, one hundred eighty days. And they, do? I would, yeah. I mean, these are always challenges. Uh, I would say Amazon more or less pays on time. There's been a few issues where we have clients that right. are owed like hundreds of thousands of dollars, and that's that's where it gets really tricky. Um, but for the most yeah. part, it's a smooth process, and, and you do get paid on time. Got it. Got it. Got it. All right. So, um, what do you think? Because we're we're past forty five minutes, so we're in the we're in the green area now. So, uh, whatever else you want to talk about, well, what do you think the, has been the biggest challenge as a small, you know, as a as a business owner running your business? I mean, you you have a different model, right? Because you're you know virtual and all over the world and whatever. What do you think the biggest challenge is for the small business owner when it comes to you know being an online e commerce retailer? I. I think the biggest seen. challenge is uh, is not investing enough or not being willing to invest enough or being afraid uh, to invest in advertising. Um, because at the end of the day, when you're selling online, the advertising is all the visibility you, that you're going to need. I mean, there's different ways to market. You can do right. SEO. That costs money. You can do paid advertising. That obviously costs money. You can do social media. You're talking like pay-per-click. Yeah, yeah, advertising. exactly. Um there's all different types of marketing that you you can do, but it's going to cost money no matter what you choose to do. And I think that's where a lot right. of uh, smaller businesses or, or even brick and mortar owners uh, tend to struggle to make that well, adopt right. that, that that change. It's like, well, now I need to start instead of having a storefront next to you know my local stop and shop or whatever where someone can pass by my store, I have to pay for the visibility right. to get people to my store. So. Um, right. That is probably where I would see, say, I see a lot of challenges. Uh, a lot of sellers come to us that don't have a, well, like yeah, they don't have enough budget to be like, for us to be able to get the return out of it. So we turn them away. And like, that's, that is one of the right. big challenges. It's like, you need money to spend online to be able to sell products online. It's not just magically going to happen. Right. Right, right, right. There's no magical way. Cause it's, you know, it, when it comes to online selling, you're like on a, it's like you're on a highway. Right, but you have to draw the traffic to your highway. Now people just pass exactly. it by all the time. And exactly, and I mean, when you look at when you go to a search result page on Amazon, there's hundreds of products for some search terms. I mean, for microphone, there might be 200 products, right. and only right. 10 to 20 products are showing up in that first page. And of those 10 to 10, yeah, I'm not saying one. Yeah. Of those 10 to yeah. 20, half of those I'm are probably not, ads. Yeah. So that's how you get there. That's how you get the visibility. That's how you get seen. Right. And if you're 50, I'm not going to buy the 50th one. My perception as a consumer is it must be shit if you're 50. I think the numbers, uh, I forgot exactly what the the breakdown is, but it's something like 90% of the purchases are are products on page one and like 70% of the, are the products in the top three. Uh, So it shows like why it's so important to be there at the top of the page, either through an ad, like that's one way to kind of game the system and get there. But obviously, the long-term strategy is how do yeah. I rank my product on the SEO part to be that number one product? Right, right, right. Sure. Well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because I'm there to make a purchase and do it quickly and make my decision. I don't want to li- look through 200 yeah. listings of, and what am I going to do? Read reviews on all of them, and half of them you don't even know if they're accurate. I mean, it's just yeah. nuts. So I think I think really you you as a consumer have this in perception that the ranking is like. It must be good if it's coming up number one, right? Or top top two or yeah. three. 
you know, which may, I don't know, maybe that's a false assumption, but yeah, I mean, you know, it is, that's job. what we do. I mean, we, yeah. we help people get to the, the top two or three and there might be products that are better quality. There might be products that are uh, built better, but at the end of the day, what dictates the ranking or the visibility on the platform is how well your product sells. And generally this is just, you know, the the reviews play a part in this and kind of are the, how do I say the uh, counterbalance to price point, but generally price point products that are lower price are going to convert better because people are trying to not spend a ton of money. Uh, however, the the right. counterbalance to that is that if you have reviews that are not good, or if your product's not good at for that price point, people are eventually going to say, "Well, right. why am I going to spend this? Because it's a piece of crap. I'm going to pick the next one." Um, so that's generally right. from a consumer like psychology standpoint, like how you need to approach it. Yeah, sure. If you say it's three stars and everyone else is five, you're like, "Why exactly. am I doing that?" Yeah, exactly. Well, that that'll. That all makes sense. Well, I think it's interesting though that you you were one of these retail resellers uh, um, or retailers. Let's call them e-commerce retailers, right? And then you're like, "We're not good at this. We're good at the other side of it. How can we make a business out of that?" And I, th- I think one of the biggest problems with business owners is that they don't really recognize like what their what their unique selling proposition is or what their unique ability is when it comes to whatever it is yeah. they're doing and saying, you know what. I'm not good at this. I can get someone else to do it. I should focus on the other side and how can we make that or can we make it, you know, a business? I'm sure there was a time where you guys were like, well, what are we going to yep. do? We hate this. We're good at this. Okay. Well, we'll be consultants. Okay. Well, who the hell are we going to talk to? Right. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. At I the mean, beginning. you kind of have to find what your strengths are, what your interests are. And even as you grow as an organization and you start hiring more people, it becomes more about specialization. So like, who, what am I the best at and what can I have someone else do? Um, so right. like at this point within the company, Got we it. have 61 employees at this point. And like when it comes to the day-to-day management of selling accounts on Amazon, I don't do that anymore. Like I have all my employees that do that. So right. like right. I'm more focused at a higher level on how do I market? How do I get clients? How do I get leads? Um, how do I make the best strategic decisions to help the business go forward? So it's all about getting to your strengths and specializing the or delegating the work that you are not as great as at or don't care about as much to other people that are extremely happy to do that or extremely focused on it. Right. Yeah. For those people listening, Jeff Bezos does not sweep the floors on the warehouse. Maybe he did one time, but he certainly doesn't do it anymore. But yeah, I mean, that's how an organization runs. Now, are all your employees virtual? I mean, I don't know. There's people walking by you. I don't know. They're your employees or you're in a co-working space or something. I'm in a co-work, but I do have uh, some employees that work out of here as well. Uh, the ones that are work, work walking by are not okay. mine. Uh, they're extremely loud, but that's a different story. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, the majority are virtual. So we have employees in uh, the U.S., in Mexico, where I live, uh, Costa Rica, Colombia, right. uh, Brazil, Argentina, um, Romania, uh, where else? UK, um, Thailand, Philippines. So, I mean, we're all, we're all over the world. Got it. And where, how do you find these people through like services like Upwork and LinkedIn, Upwork. Um, we, we post jobs on indeed depending on the marketplace. Uh, so we find, uh, and a lot of people are referrals as well. So, um, there's a lot of, it's not challenging to find people. Uh, it's just knowing like where you need to look. 
and good ones. Yeah, I, you know, I find I know there's a little bit off the topic, but I find it interesting because I do have some clients who are in technology, they're in web development, they're in, you know, market, digital marketing, whatever. And they have people they work with around the world. So from a from a uh, an accounting management standpoint, how do you how do you manage that? You can't just like call a payroll company in the United States and say, oh, put all these people on yeah. payroll. How do you how do you manage? You have to file taxes in like all these so different countries? It's one of the challenging things. And depending on the country and depending on the number of employees there, there's different options. So um, for example, like in Mexico, we have like a PEO essentially that hires people. Uh, exactly. In other, um, in other marketplaces or other countries, I should say, where we only have one employee, uh, we either just pay them as a yeah. subcontractor or we find a um, – um, other like PEO options where we can just place the employee with them and then they handle the payroll and you know whatever else. So that's more or less how we handle it. Um, it it's not, there, there are more companies now that are, are waking up to this and that are offering uh, the, the ability to do it across multiple countries, which makes a ton of sense. Right. Um, and it simplifies the ability as the, the business owner to actually make the payroll payments because you're only paying one company and then they're distributing the money to whatever con- marketplaces or whatever country it needs to go to. Right. Um, but yeah, right. I mean, there's different options for dealing with it. Subcontractors is like... But you're a U.S.-based yeah, company? U.S. taxpayer? Yeah, we're a U.S. company. company. Where's your headquarters? Yep. Connecticut. Connecticut. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, so it all works out of there. So if you're paying a guy a subcontractor in Argentina, you pay him. He worry about his taxes. You take a deduction, and you worry exactly. about your taxes. Um, that's that's more or less how everything's handled. Yeah. So. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Well, I, I'm look. All that stuff's opening up now, right? The states are getting onto that. The, the feds are getting onto that. Like, what do we do with this? Even just in the United States, when the guy you have 50 employees are all in 40 states, what do you do? You know, you have to. Depends on the yeah. state, by the way. You know, whether you have to file. With the state or not, payroll taxes and things like that, and those will change yeah, too. I mean, so. it's incredibly complex. Look at the challenges. Yeah, it's in, in, in yeah. the U.S. especially yeah. because of all the states and different regulatory rules in each state. It's incredibly complex. Versus when you move, do you have to use a you have to use a national accounting firm that's got offices around and knows all the different states? We, we use a, no, we use a small uh, smaller regional one. Um, but uh, oh, yeah, okay. I mean that's. When you get to a certain level of complexity, you are going to need someone like a like a Deloitte. <laughs> How things come full circle, but yeah, because you're dealing with the country. Yeah. I know. Well, you have to because you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Uh, any last parting words or thoughts or recommendations? We, if we could put some of those links in the show notes to some of the resources, that would be helpful. You can send them to me. Of after course. The show. Um, yeah. I think. But anything yeah. else you going? surfing today no, what do you know no, unfortunately not i'm gonna be on phone calls and meetings all day but uh no what i would say is uh and this is kind of my general advice when it comes to being an entrepreneur in general is uh and this it comes from so i think it's richard branson is that uh his saying is the harder i the harder i work the luckier i get and we're talking about being accidental or having luck happen to us it's about preparation right. you put yourself yeah. you learn a skill you be right. great at the skill you find the opportunities that come your way and then it's you take advantage of when yep. that opportunity comes. That's taking advantage of luck. That's being yeah. lucky. Right. Yeah. You know, lucky doesn't happen out of the, the out of the air. I always say, if you want to get hit, you got to play in traffic. <laughs> doesn't mean you will get hit, but it certainly increases your chance. Yeah, that makes sense. Right? But yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's go to the closing credits. Stick around, and then we'll wrap okay, things cool. up. Okay. 
Mike, I can't thank you enough for getting up. Ah, Thanks for having me, Mitch. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at the Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.